Canucks Central Friday. It's Dan Riccio and Randy Janda. Yes, a Reach Deep edition of Canucks Central. Here in the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotic provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Uh, Randeep in for Satyar Shah today. What's happening? What's going on? How are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm great. I'm, I'm actually amazed at Randeep's shirt today. The graphic. Okay. Unreal. Uh, I feel it like is for anybody that can see online. If uh, if we're gonna post this, there's, yeah. this is a a goat shirt. Well, we can't post it. They've still got the Canucks talk thing up. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. At some point, I'll take a picture or something, and we can put it up later on. But uh, not bad, right? It's pretty good. You got the goats of the goats, um, Pele, Zidane, and uh, Diego Armando Maradona. Exactly. I got this shirt from uh, your home country, actually. Oh, really? You're from Canada, but your your mother country. Did you buy it in uh, Milano? Or no, Fidenza? this is in uh, Roma. Ah. In Rome. So, there you go. Uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, by goats, I mean greatest of all time. Not actual goats. <laughs> it is uh, one short of the Mount Rushmore. If we were to... Uh, this is Canuck Central. We can't keep talking about something. We'll get there at some point. We'll get there uh, maybe after 530. Um, but, for now, let's get in on uh, the Vancouver Canucks. Tough one last night, Randy, and I know um, we used to do this quite a bit in the past, and it was often warranted given where the team was a couple of years ago, but uh, on Reach Deep, the worryometer was a frequent of the afternoons, and uh, I believe we need to bring out the worryometer today. It's a worryometer day here on Canuck Central. Okay. And this, is, this is what I think. I think you have too much caffeine that you you just worry a lot, Reach. No, nah, well, yes. Yes, I do. But I don't just gauging the reaction to last night's game on Twitter and hearing some of the post game calls last night, it feels like there is a worry level for some, and I told you so level. That commenced right after the Canucks got their doors blown off on home ice by the Vegas Golden Knights defending Stanley Cup champions. It's not really a, um, oh, this team's terrible. It's more of a, oh, they're still clearly a tier below the team we think is the best in the league. And I think that's more of where the worry level is. But I'm curious to hear where it is for you because it's been a mostly positive first 24 games of the season. And here we are, their last 12, their 500 or so. And it feels like for a lot of people, all the Canucks can only beat the teams that are lower in the standings. They're not winning against playoff teams. These types of takes are coming around right now. Is your worryometer anywhere near where it is for some in the fan base. I hear those conversations. I see the tweets. They're in my mentions during mm. the game calls. So I see all of it. At Randy Janda, by the way. Yeah, please. Uh, positive, negative, all of it. Don't worry. My <laughs> notifications are off, so I won't see it anyways. No, but I do see it. And the worryometer for me, it's low, man. Mm-hmm. It's at a three. This is a scale from one to ten. Okay. The lower it is, the least worried you are. For me, it's a three. This is a team that will be competitive and is putting together a great season after a great start. Like, sure, it's not as great as it was in week one and week 
two, in week three. But one thing we need to realize, they're not Vegas. Vegas is a finished product. Vegas, I'm going to put this in Vancouver real estate terms because that's what registers around in this <laughs> these parts. Man, we're really into water cooler talk right now. Honestly, real estate? Are I'm you seriously? The Canucks are they cannot afford to get to where Vegas <laughs> no, no, is no. at. I'm talking if you're about, talking real estate. I'm talking about building a house. So yeah. wait, is is uh, are the Canucks Maple Ridge and Vegas is like downtown Vancouver is that or or North Van? I'm not going to put uh, municipal, uh, municipalities <laughs> against each other. The Battle of BC is not happening today. It's more about, okay. Canucks they, have upgraded to Coquitlam while Vegas is still in West Vancouver. Coquitlam's a great spot. Hey, <laughs> I'm not slandering any part of this great region, all right? All I'm saying is the Vegas Golden Knights are a house right now with like fully loaded. They are built. Yeah. They've got that cool fridge that everybody wants and sees in like music video, like houses and like MTV Cribs when it used to come back yes. uh, back in the day. Six range oven. Yeah. Heated floors. The doors are on. Indoor pool. You got it, everything. The appliances are in. The Vancouver yes. Canucks are not that yet. We didn't think that at the beginning of the season. No. In preseason. We this did is not. Probably a house that still needs to put the countertops on. <laughs> you got to put that little grout in the on the tiles a little. Like yeah. things are still going on here. So I'm not worried because this is not a sprint for this team. This is a marathon. And they are still building. The building process is uh, still happening for the Vancouver Canucks. That's your that's your take on this. Yes. So As the Canucks can... aren't that celebrity living in that massive house that they really can't afford on MTV. <laughs> no, they're not. They're not Connor McDavid looking out across his you know porch or whatever it was, the back deck yes. looking at the field of nothing. <laughs> like that's not what the Canucks are. They are building towards building that mansion. Come on. I think when McDavid was struggling this year, he'd just sit out in his back porch and stare into the nothingness of Edmonton. <laughs> it was supposed Think to, about his game. It was supposed to make him feel better, but somehow he felt worse. <laughs> See West Edmonton all the distance. Yes. <laughs> um, so Randeep's at a three. Uh, a couple of texts coming in. Rager, worryometer for the team, and Pedersen is at a seven. Um, Jeff and Maple Ridge, not cool, Dan. <laughs> Sorry, Maple Ridge. That's what happens when the guy does not cross east of Main Street, all right? Starts slandering <laughs> yeah. everywhere. Yeah, it's uh, it's a tough go. Like, I, I drive around Surrey. I have no idea where I am. All right, if you see Dan Riccio in Surrey, flag him down and yes. help him out a little bit because clearly he's lost. <laughs> all right, uh, if I'm at a three, where are you at? I'm okay. So it's not like I'm I'm high. If this were the Monday menu, I'd say I'm probably simmering at a five right now. And it's not a, um, like, it's weird because it's not a huge concern. I I feel like this team has done well enough to start this season that they are going to the playoffs, right? 560, 570 points percentage pretty much guarantees them a spot into the postseason because of how well they started. And I think that's achievable for this team. I have no doubts about that. But my worry level is much like Ragers. It's about the top Canucks players right now because they're not getting it done. You look at JT Miller last night and yeah, if you just uh, do a quick check on his shot share, it was over 50% by the end of the game and he tried to battle back after a tough first period, but Consider how he performed and that line performed against the Golden Knights top line with Jack Eichel. 
just two and a half minutes against that line of five on five, JT was outscored two nothing by Jack Eichel. Managed just one shot attempt. Tockett, seeing this, switched it up, put Pedersen on Jack Eichel, and fared only better in the fact that the Vegas Golden Knights didn't score a goal in those minutes with Pedersen up against Jack Eichel. However, Pedersen managed just two shot attempts to Eichel's seven in the three minutes they played against each other head-to-head. Compare that back to the Dallas game, which I still hold as arguably, maybe inarguably, I don't think there's too much argument here. Most impressive. The most impressive win of the season for the Vancouver Canucks, the 2-0 win over Dallas. JT won the shot share and kept their top line at bay. The Rangers game, when the Canucks went into OT, did not give up a five-on-five goal. They held their own, kept the shot share at even strength, even, and did not give up a goal to any of the Rangers superstars, which, look at the Rangers right now, is not something a lot of teams do very well. All of this is to say the Canucks' top players are the key to their success, and that shouldn't be any surprise. But what is different about it is that the bottom six is fine. They're not getting caved in. They're handling themselves pretty well. The problem is Dakota Joshua and Connor Garland can't be your best line every single night at five on five. You're going to lose a lot of hockey games that way. And it's why the Canucks are pretty much 500 since this has been happening. Good for Dakota Joshua and Connor Garland. Not good for the Canucks. That David Booth comment is going to live in yeah, infamy for John Tortorella. I, I don't know if Torts is going to have any other legacy other than probably <laughs> the construction of the locker rooms yes. and that comment. Those are the two things he'll be remembered for in the history of the Vancouver well, Canucks. A third thing, the Murphy bed. Murphy bed as well. And yeah. Point Roberts, of course. <laughs> you got to remember that. So a couple of things. Okay. On that front, though, yes, the top six struggled. And looking ahead at the remaining schedule... In the next couple of weeks, right? Mm -hmm. December 1st, basically today to the 14th. You got one road game, and then you've got some really good teams rolling through Vancouver. Yeah, Minnesota's mixed in there. Sure. But Carolina, Tampa Bay, Florida. Yeah. New Jersey, on their night, can still put up the goals. You got to watch out for them, too, even though they have some injuries. You're going to need that top six to perform. You're going to need JT Miller to win his matchups like he was at the beginning of the year. You're going to need Elias Pettersson to show more of what we've seen in the past, not only point production, but reach winning those matchups. And that's the key. Having a, a high-end one-two combo is what makes really good teams you know, hit that level and get to the playoffs. And we're not talking about just make the playoffs. We're talking mm-hmm. about win games and win you know, potentially a playoff here, series. Sorry. So I look at that and say, yes, in this stretch here, you got to show something in the top six because you got some heavyweight teams rolling through Vancouver that can play that style and they're going to hit you in waves. The other thing I would say is, and this is where in a week where they do move some of the parts around. Yep. Bavillier, Zadorov, it also shows you where the Canucks need to get better and specifically the wings. Do you have enough there in the top six? Mm-hmm. I think we can all understand to say, no, they're probably one piece short. You at need least. at least, right? You need to upgrade that. And that's, to me, the biggest takeaway from last night's game against Vegas. It's looking at Vancouver and seeing what you have. But it's also of when you do have a finished product like Vegas, 
understanding the types of players you need in your lineup that A, can play a certain style. Like Ivan Barbashev, best pickup of the last trade deadline. McCrimmon keeps him in Vegas, and this guy is going to be an absolute stud for probably another three, four years. He plays that style. Vancouver doesn't really have that on their wings. A lot of teams don't, but you have to find that player. Well, McKayev's supposed to be that guy. He started well after the injury, but predictably has slowed down. But here's the thing with Vegas. They got guys that play that style, maybe not to the level, but two or three deep. You right. can move players up, and that's where Vancouver has some work to do. So when I talk about a finished product, you know, appliances that are in, all of those, all of those details that we were talking about before, that's where Vancouver still has a lot of work to do, and that's why this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. Well, two issues I see with that, and, and one of the things, especially after the Zadorov trade, if you're going to look at, at, at where to add to this Canucks team, and it might be a question, too, of... You look at that loss last night, and maybe it makes you think twice about spending more assets to add to this roster, at least significant assets, which this team doesn't really have many of. And I think that's part and parcel with some of the rhetoric around the team that they won't trade their first-round pick because as much as the fan base and people should be excited about the way that they've started this year, I don't think for one second the management group is fooled that they're all of a sudden a cup contender, that they skipped three steps along the road and are a cup contender. Like they didn't build the house without putting the insulation in, you know? <laughs> exactly. See, now you're thinking of my wavelength. This is what I like. So there are some things that still need to be done, but it's ultimately long-term finding another top four defenseman, Zadorov, sorry, not that guy. Going to help them now, but not that guy. And Ian Cole's not here for a long time. We know finding a uh, third musketeer to go with Quinn Hughes and Philip Hronick is still a priority for this team moving forward, but also a top six forward. Like, yeah, Andre Kuzmenko, great, but, you know, he's still by the team's own admission, learning the game at the NHL level and learning how his coach wants him to play. Phil DiGiuseppe, love that guy, not that guy. <laughs> you know? Man. It's, it, it's Man, tough. Man, this season has flown by quick, but Reach. there is still part of the issue here is that there's nobody really, as you mentioned, ready to take that spot. We've seen Nils Hoaglander take a few shifts maybe has a little bit of success, but ultimately still hasn't earned full trust of the coach. We've seen Sam Lafferty get bumped up when Kuzmenko's not in the lineup. It's looked okay, but everybody knows that's not a long-term solution for this team. They quite obviously, and I don't know if they're going to do this at any point this year because of their cap space issue, they quite obviously still need a top-end forward to add to this group. It's not... Look, when Pedersen's going, Miller's going, Hughes is going, all these guys, when they're going, they can go up against pretty much any other top three players against any team in the league. But other teams, that second tier of player, like you have Brock Besser going right now in that second tier, who else do you have? Yeah, And nobody is the answer for the Vancouver Canucks. It's a very different question for Vegas who can say, we've got Barbashev, we've got Marcheseau, we've got Stevenson. Like that's a that's a pretty big difference when you talk about a cup contender versus the Vancouver Canucks. And one of the things that I think Vegas did really well yesterday was the bottom six, they play to their structure, to their identity, right? Which is something the Canucks are still trying to figure out. That's something that Rick Tockett and Co. are still trying to teach this team. So from that perspective as well, it's 
earlier on in the build. Now, one of the areas you mentioned about the wings and building out that depth, I think Niels Hoaglander is on track. There's a lot of folks that maybe hoped he was going to do that in the preseason. Yep. It didn't happen that quickly, but he's on track to at least make progress. Another player was Vasily Podkolzin. That didn't happen either. The progress wasn't there. He's in Abbotsford. He's doing his thing. Hopefully that happens at some point. Reach, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, that top six forward mm-hmm. to replace a PDG in the top six. That's a pretty lofty potential I, trade. I don't see that happening this year. I think that's a long-term ask. I don't think yeah. that's a short-term thing. Um, I, I've said this a thousand times. Eddie's going to snicker when I say it again. Travis Konechny. Yes, but the price is through the roof for a team that doesn't want to give up their first. Yeah. I like Travis Konechny as much as you do, but you and I both know the price is going to be through the roof. <laughs> and I texted you a clip about it last yeah. week that confirmed that. <laughs> Keith Jones and uh, and Danny Briere aren't giving up Travis Konechny cheaply. No, if that was going to happen, it might have happened before when yeah. they were selling pretty openly last year. Right. I don't think that's happening this year. But the, also, the other thing is, in the short term, do you make a move that might not cost you that much, but versatility in that middle six where, and I'm going to go back to the Pittsburgh days here, right? Yeah. Rutherford Alvin, when those teams were really clicking, they had players on the third line that played to the identity of what they wanted from line one to line four. And the players that I look at, Carl Hagelin type of player, like tenacious, good defensively, but also a 40 point guy that could jump up. And then you drop him down back to the bottom six, whenever you needed him to go back to his natural spot. Are there players that you could get a little cheaper that will solidify the bottom end of your lineup? Right. But they're not going to have, wow, I can't believe the Canucks just traded for that guy feel to it because first round picks, boys. <laughs> this team's not in a situation where they can just throw those around. So I I don't know if you're going to find like a, a, a top end player that, you know, fits the cost of what this team wants to add, right? Cost of acquisition is going to be a big problem for them. But... They need to find a four-checker, a guy that's got some speed and a guy that can win them some bucks. They don't. They still don't have enough four-checkers. It was one of the first things that Rick Tockett said last year, and it is a persistent issue with this team. Does that mean it has to be Travis Konechny? No, he's like the top of the mountain of like that type of player that you can go after and get. He's got speed, got a little bit of grit, got some sandpaper, plays the game hard, has a ton of skill to him as well. Even if he isn't the biggest guy, he plays with all of those elements. But they've got to find a way to add some four checkers to this team because they're not winning pucks down low. And it was something that they were doing earlier in the year. But now that other teams have picked up their pace in the way that they're playing, Canucks aren't having the same success. Two issues there as well with Mikheyev. We saw the initial boost when he came into the lineup. But remember, I'm going to go back here a little bit. Remember when Antoine Roussel came back from his knee injury? Mm-hmm. And the initial adrenaline that he had, he scored goals on Burroughs night. Like, yeah, It felt like Mikheyev went through that for a couple of games where he was scoring goals, he was clicking, but the speed still hasn't been there. So at some point, Mikheyev will hopefully get back to that level where he's getting to a spot more consistently. Very smart player, but physically you can see he's not there yet. The gap on that other line with JT Miller and Brock Besser, yeah, that's the one you have to fill. That's the one you're saying can maybe over time, can Niels Hoaglander graduate to that spot? Is he a player that can regularly be there? And if not, are you looking externally to fill that? Travis Konechny is, a, is a, I think, a dream for a lot of players, but are some other players going to be available 
if teams start to fall out of the playoff race. And that's probably a conversation for the trade deadline. It's a tough one for the Vancouver Canucks, but a lot of questions in the learning lesson from last night's loss to the Vegas Golden Knights. You know who would have been great Who's to that? play in the uh, in that role? Who's that? Yannick Hansen. Ah, well, good for us. He's coming up. Our Friday analyst, Yannick Hansen, is next on Canucks Central. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Canucks Central in the Kintech studio. It is Dan Rico and Randy Janda. No satire shot today. Took you a second there, but... Just uh, doing the old pause for affection or effectiveness. <laughs> pause for affection? Yes. <laughs> I think it's dramatic effect, but I get what you're saying. Yes. For dramatic effect. All the same. Um, got lots still to get to, including the mailbag. If you want to get in a last-second question for the mailbag, send it through 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. we got a ton of texts coming in, including uh, Marty the Red, amongst others, wanting to know what number Nikita Zadorov is going to wear for the Vancouver Canucks. It has been confirmed. Number 91 for Nikita Zadorov. That's right. 91 would be the fourth player to wear that number 91. Mm-hmm. Jared McCann was number one to ever wear that, that n- number. Really? Yuho Lamico. Yeah. Remember him? Yep. And most recently, Vitaly Kravtsov. Hmm. A rich history of number 91s in this city. Uh, <laughs> Maybe not. Fedor Fedorov never wore it? Nope. Oh. It's too bad. Uh, let's bring in our next guest. Uh, he is uh, Yannick Hansen. This analyst is brought to you by the Magnuson Auto Group, Metro Ford, Port Coquitlam, and Magnuson Ford in Abbotsford on both sides of the Fraser to serve you. Thanks for this, Yannick. How are you? Yeah, it's my pleasure. How, I'm good. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing uh, fantastic, as always. Appreciate the time. So, uh, tough one for Vancouver last night. The Stanley Cup champs come into town, and uh, oh, they had their way with the Vancouver Canucks. How did you view last night's game? Yeah, now you know where you need to get to. Uh, it's sobering. There's no question about that. Um, that is the pinnacle right now. Um, that's where you want to get to. Um, and now you can see that that even though your um, your your points total, your your spot in the standings, and all these are, are somewhat similar, um, there there are still ways to go. Um, granted, uh, Vegas played well. Uh, Vancouver did not have their best game, but again, these are the nights where. You need to find a way. So sobering is is a good way to put it, I think. So that next level, Yannick, is, you know, what's the most impressive part of Vegas's game that as a ex-pro that you'll look at and say, you know, they just do that really well and that's where Vancouver needs to get? There's no holes. There's no holes in that lineup. They're good from top to bottom. Uh, all their Ds, uh, doesn't matter who's in net for them, it seems like. They're, uh, they're a very deep club. Um, and then when they need somebody to step up, they have an Eichel, they have a Stone, they have a Peter Angelo. They, they have all these guys who can do it for them. Um, and that's not even doing justice to the guys I weren't mentioning, but but it's such a deep club. And that that's what it takes to win these days. It, it takes committee. It's by committee. Uh, everybody's got to chip in. 
So when somebody has an off night, an off day, a uh, line that's not producing, well, there are three others ready to, to step up and take it. So uh, that, that's the thing I take away from this, that that team is built. Uh, yeah, they have some, some high-end talent and uh, some big signings, trades and these things, but, but it is a very deep hockey club. It, uh, you know, it wasn't necessarily, and this has kind of been the case now for a couple of weeks, it's not really the bottom six that's holding this Canucks roster back necessarily, but, you know, uh, Eichel's line kind of had their way with whomever they were matched up with, whether it was JT Miller or Elias Pettersson. Like, it was just Vegas's top guys being better than the Canucks' top guys. Should that be a concern at all? Um, to some extent, again, like, we were... We're very critical right now because um, yeah. we were talking about the best teams in the NHL and how, how come we weren't beating them. Um, a month ago, we, we were talking about, oh, we just got to beat St. Louis and Nashville. We got to beat that bubble. Not worry about Colorado. Let's not worry about Rangers. Let's not worry about Vegas. But those are the teams we're worrying about right now. And that's a good sign. Are we still a ways away from those teams Obviously a little bit, but, but it, it's good that we're having this conversation and not, oh, are we shipping out Hirona or are we trading these guys because the deadline is coming up and we're out of a playoff spot. So, so the conversation has have, have changed a little bit here in Vancouver um, because of the start they had. Um, and now you're, you're critiquing them on another level here because, like you said, we're, we're in a pretty, pretty good spot right now after these games they've played. But uh, now we're starting to measure up against the, the cream of the crops here. And how are we lining up against these teams? So far, it, it hasn't been a good showing. We've only had a couple of games against these guys. I mean, we play the Rangers once, Vegas once, uh, Colorado. So, so it's not that many games. Um, but there should come a couple more here within a near future where you're, you're seeing teams at the top and, and hopefully they can find a way to to have a good showing in these statement games uh, because that's where you really measure yourself up. Um, a couple months from now when playoff rolls around um, and you do end up um, playing a Vegas team, it's better to know that, hey, we actually beat these guys. We can do it instead of getting rolled over four times by them or however many times we play them. So, so you need to find a way to beat these teams in the regular season as well, just so you have a good feeling in case you run into them down the line. You know, uh, I feel like a, a fan's perspective is like, oh, look, they're not quite as good as, as the cup contenders. And it, it tends to be more of a, a big picture kind of view of things. I, I wonder, from a player's perspective, it's more granular, right? It's one game at a time. Okay, like we'll take it as a learning lesson and keep moving forward. Yeah, we, we, we've, we always play one game. Like it's one game and you can win every game. It is that close. That being said, you know your your odds over a seven-game series probably goes down against the better teams, but it, it doesn't take that much. Um, Demko being ridiculous like he was a couple of years ago where you almost beat them anyways when they were a better team. It can happen. Uh, Miller taking over, Petey taking over, Quinn Hughes continuing doing the things and dominating a series. It can happen. Um, again, depth will almost always shine through um, when your stars get shut down somebody else needs to, to do it and that's what Vegas have been able to do that when Eichel aren't scoring when um, Stone aren't scoring well, well then it's William Carlson then it's uh, Jonathan Messer then it's Peter, then it's these guys so they're just a next man up mentality in Vegas where 
Right now, yeah, I think we had a game a couple of weeks back where none of none of the top guys scored, and then it was Garland, then it was Lafferty, then it was uh, um, McKay, then it was all these other guys that were scoring. And that that's a good sign that it can happen. You just need it a little bit more consistently. And then at the same time, when you're playing these games, you need you need everybody because um, Vancouver can't allow themselves to to come in and play at at 95 against Vegas. At 95 might be okay against the bottom teams in the league or 90%, but against Vegas, you need 100%. You need everybody doing their thing and then a little bit extra, and then you stand a, a much better chance of beating a club like that. Well, one of the areas of concern over the last few games, and Tockett's mentioned himself, is that forecheck, right? Especially in that top six. Uh, Ilya Mikheyev's coming off of a, a major injury. It's going to take him time to ramp that up. Uh, but JT Miller's line hasn't been able to get home uh, as consistently. When you're looking at the forecheck, and as a guy that played that role, like what do you see? Are they, are they just way too inconsistent on that front right now? It's that wavy thing through the season. It's hard to play the way they did in the beginning of the year for 82 games. Um, you can't play with that intensity, that tenacity, every single game. Um, there will come these uh, ebbs and flows, and uh, and they're probably in that right now where the last, I don't know, half a dozen games, maybe a couple more, has been one win, one lose, one up and down kind of thing. Um, that will happen. Um, that's where good teams still find a way to get away and claw these wins out that they need. Uh, and then when these statement games come, then, then there's no question about what team is showing up. And, and that's why I keep mentioning these statement games because it, it, it's more than a couple now. It's three and four games where uh, you'd like to see the, the, the best show up when we need it, not not when they feel like it, not when you just happen to have a fantastic nap and the pregame meal was outstanding. No, tonight is the night, and regardless of of who walks into the door, um, I'm going to play my best game. That that's what we're kind of looking for now. And like I said earlier, when we when we discussed it, this is the way we're critiquing them now because of how well they've played and where they're sitting. Um, if they start dropping down, well, then our expectation will, will will shift a little bit, and we'll start talking about, well, we got to beat these bubble teams now that are kind of chasing us behind instead. And then when we do play these uh, the top teams in the league, then okay, if we get something out of it, great. If not, well, we're not as good as them. Um, but right now, it's it's that more once more mentality, and we're we're in, we're in a great spot. And now uh, you don't want to relinquish anything. Yeah, I mean they they've built themselves such a nice cushion that uh, the playoffs should be uh, not a guarantee, but you know uh, they don't have to play at an insane pace like we've seen the last couple of years to get into uh, get into a playoff spot. As for Elias Pettersson, you know, there's uh, a thought that he's working through something, even though they denied it last week. He's just, he's not playing with the same kind of pop. And it, it's it's almost a little bit reminiscent of, you know, when he was playing through an injury uh, a couple of years ago when he had that tough start uh, towards the end of the, the Travis Green era. What are you seeing with Pettersson right now? Yeah, he, he got pushed off Pox easy yesterday. Um uh, that that's one of the things that stood out for me. He he's normally very very safe with the puck. If he has the puck, something well will come off of it. He will make a nice play. He he will dish it. He will create something. But tonight or last night, he he was losing the puck a couple times too many from from my liking. Um, this that's kind of what sh- stood out to me. Some of these things when he's carrying it in over the blue line down the wall instead of a nifty play in the middle to to a streaking winger or something like that it, it got turned over and 
than the other way we went. Um, so, I, I, again, you're not going to get an honest answer out of that room whether or not he's hurt or not. Um, again, it's the same scenario there. He was playing if like almost <laughs> unheard of in the beginning of the year, and now you're expecting that for 82 games. So some regression are in, in order, and you're just hoping that this will kind of just flow through and then he'll peak again um, uh, at some point, hopefully at the right times. Um, but but again, he, he doesn't look like he did a month ago, Dad, that's for sure. How tough can it be to play hurt, Yannick? <laughs> it's impossible. No, that's not true. Some guys can do it. Um, as soon as you take just uh, the foot off the gas a little bit, the, the, the players are too good. Uh, they're too strong. They're too fast. Um, if, you're, if your shot is hurting a little bit, now you're taking just a little bit off. You're not going to be scoring anymore. Um, teams zone in on it. Okay, he doesn't have a shot. He's going to be passing now. So now you start zoning a little bit more on, on the options. And then it's just it's very, very hard to be competitive uh, unless you're, you're, you're healthy. All right, moving off the game uh, in a minute here, but uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on a fellow winger, Mark Stone. Just little subtle plays during last night's game, uh, whether it's making a, a pass behind his back. He, he knows where his teammates are uh, working defensively. As a fellow winger, what do you appreciate about most about his game? Yeah, it's not very often you hear that uh, winger being in the Selkie c- contention, but but he's one of those ones that have always been in there. Uh, and again, he, for a long time in my career, he, he was in the East, so it never really played against him. And then all of a sudden you're playing against him, and he's always doing those the back checks, the stripping you of the pucks, turning pucks over, going back the other way. Um, and then at the same time, he's putting up uh, obscene numbers. So, so it's the attention to details, overall game, 200 foot. Um, it's easy. I wouldn't say it's easy, but once you're producing, um, a lot of players tend to cheat a little bit on the defensive side. Let, let's save my energy for, for scoring goals, being uh, offensive here, and then let somebody else worry about it. But when you see a guy like that who is that committed, both sides of the puck, you can't help but tip your hat and, and enjoy the game. Kind of what's been interesting with, with Jack Eichel, he hasn't scored as much since going to Vegas as he did in Buffalo, but I think he's developed into, um, I mean, we saw it during the playoffs last year, and last night he was, for me, the best player on the ice. Um, he's kind of become as good a two-way center in the league as there is, I think, Yannick. Yeah, it was that draft year, and I remember Buffalo being all pouty about getting him. Yeah. Uh, like any other year, like... You could have put put five years together and you would have been happy getting him. Um, he's a phenomenal player. Um, he still has one of the strangest stride. It, it looks so slow and he's so fast. Um, and then he has the vision as well. Um, he, he's a phenomenal player. I'm happy he is out of those uh, black holes, if you will, the void of the East there. And now you're getting a little bit of attention to him. You're seeing him in a lot of marquee matchups. Uh, the McDavid Eichel is, is always a great uh, must-watch kind of thing. And I'm happy he's out West now. We get a chance to watch him. Um, not when we play against the Vegas from a Canuck standpoint, but the other games. Um, it's one of those players that deserve the spotlight, but probably aren't getting as much as they could based on on where they played um, in the past. But but no, it's, it's definitely a player you you need to appreciate. Well, the Canucks have been busy on the ice, and Patrick Alvin uh, busy off the ice. Makes a trade yesterday. Nikita Zadorov coming in from Calgary, uh, big defenseman. He's got some size. You got to keep your head on a swivel. Do you like this pickup? What do you think of that move? 
Yeah, I, again, it's Nikita Sirov. Um, he's not my favorite player. Let me put that out right away. But but again, he is going to be a big, big upgrade on our third pairing. Um, Friedman, uh, Juleson, um, he, he will be a massive upgrade over those guys. Um, I, I like the fact that you add another body that can play in that middle mix there. Where he fits in, I, I, I don't know. Um, I love the price. Uh, so let, let me get that right away there. Like the, the fifth round you got from Beauvillier uh, and then the third third round three years from now, who cares? Um, they're a team that's supposed to make the playoff right now and he will help you. Um, how he, he's going to pan out and all those things, that, that's to be seen to be said. He does have some intangibles that are um, really tantalizing if he, can, if he can come through and play that way. He has a, a nasty physical game to him. Um, so, so hopefully he will bring some of that, bring us some, yeah, fear into opposing forwards that you might get hit coming to play in Vancouver right now. Um, they seem like they have found a lot of size now between Myers, between Thuzi, between uh, Nikita, um, and then some skill uh, on the other. Cole's not a small player either. So like that, that top six is as good as we've seen here in Vancouver. <sighs> yes. Since 11 almost. Yeah. Uh, that, that's how good it can look on paper. Um, so, like I said, I don't know a ton about him. Um, he's not my favorite player, but, but he's definitely uh, definitely a player that will improve on this team. And like I said, I love what they gave up for him. And I hope that he that he turn out because he can fill fill a hole on this team that have had a big hole. Um, so, so it's definitely something that's uh, that's a positive for for Vancouver. Well, they've now got the the three towers back there with uh, when when all healthy, Carson Susi, Tyler Myers, and and Nikita Zadorov all over six five and all fairly mobile too for for big guys as uh, you know Rick Tockett mentioned last night, and that's one of the things he really treasures, I guess, in uh, in defensemen. Um, like, what can make it more difficult for teams to play through that? Is it the way they can defend the blue line and clog up uh, the the neutral zone, clog up passing lanes? You know, what what can size do to help the Canucks on defense? Size, when used right, is very hard to play against because of the reach, because of the strength. Um, you're almost always out muscled in battles against these guys. Um, the only thing is, like. Bigger guys are prone to penalties. We see it with Myers. Um, they do get called more often for these uh, holdings, hookings, uh, reaching, all these things. Um, so, so that's the way you you kind of attack them. Um, you go in and around them. Hopefully, skate in, get them uh, uh, losing a footstep. They don't. They aren't too quick on their feet. But, but again, if, if size is used right, it's almost impossible to play against. Like. I, going back to my day, like Chara, impossible to play against. I know we, we don't have a Chara on our team right now, but that size, that, that's how you want size to play. Impossible to play against when they're on the ice. You stand in the corner and you feel like they can reach you from in front of the net. Um, you come in and you try to, to screen a goalie and, and it feels like you've got to skate uh, three, four, five seconds in order to get around them. Um, so so it, it's that way that you can really use size to your advantage. When the game becomes a little bit more stationary, um, killing penalty is great. Um, if you get hemmed in your own end, it's great. You take up position in front of your net. You keep everybody to the outside. You let them go and, and the Smiths see the pucks, and hopefully they stop them. So, so it can be used. The only way to exploit it, like I said, you, you got to use speed. 
you, you got to get them turning, you got to get them uh, reaching, um, and then you can kind of take advantage of it. So, so again, size is great um, when, when size is used right. Yeah, and I, I do, uh, I do somewhat agree with your earlier comment. Maybe, maybe there would have been better fits, but like Chris Tanev, for example. But Tanev's going to cost a lot more in trade. <laughs> I don't think right? you're going to get a far third round pick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, Tanev twenty six. Yeah, Tanev. And again, Tanev would have been he. He wouldn't have been your fifth, fourth defenseman. He would have been right up there. Yeah. Um So, so again, that that's a different type of player you're you're bringing in. Um, like I said, the price, I absolutely love it for. Finally, for a couple of times here, you're not getting fleeced. And in Vancouver, Beauvillier, like it's a straight up dump, and you get something you could actually use. Another great one. Again, it, it hurts giving up him because he he had potential, but two goals in 20 games are not going to get you anything. It's going to cost you something, but it didn't. So so it, it's two big wins here, where you're basically swapping a Beauvillier for a, a very very capable defenseman. Um, and then, yeah, the third round you give up three years from now. Who cares? Um, you'll get opportunities to get that back. Right now, you, you're thinking playoffs. Uh, so it's, uh, it is a positive. And again, the D was, uh, has been a sore spot a little bit over the last little bit, especially since Susie went out. You, you got expo- exposed a little bit there where now you're down to that four kind of defenseman. If Myers is playing up to his... Um, where, where now you, you have an extra body that is uh, a legitimate uh, second, third pairing defenseman, and, and you're not reaching into the minors and hoping somebody can fill uh, some very big shoes. Yannick, we appreciate the time as always. Have a good weekend. Yeah, my pleasure. Take care. There is uh, Yannick Hansen, our Friday analyst, brought to you by the Magnuson Auto Group. It is uh, still the buzz. He's going to make his debut, I would imagine, tomorrow, wearing the number 91 for the Vancouver Canucks, Nikita. Zadorov. Um, I'm curious to see how the, the size plays, but the penalties might be an issue, especially with the way the penalty kill is going. Myers, Susie, Cole, and Zadorov all have a bit of an issue. They take quite a few minors. They have some tendencies. Uh, they're habitual line steppers when it comes to the penalty side of things, yes. but I think his... Well, they're they're uh, masters of the dark arts of defending, I guess. Which is, if you get to the playoffs, guess what? A lot more slides. Masters. That might have been too strong. Uh, yeah, word. that's. <laughs> they're bachelors. They're not up to the masters or the PhD yet. They're yes. just they're, they're at that bachelor's <laughs> they degree. Got their bachelor's right? degree, which is fine. That's a great degree. I have one. Um, I'm not sure what it got me, but still, yes. if you good self awareness, exactly. If you get to the point of playing in the playoffs, yeah, which this team is trending towards. That's going to come in handy. We've seen that with Tyler Myers during the bubble year where that little greasy element, yeah, sure, he was taking a lot of penalties, but it helps you as well where you're able to play a physical game, a nasty game, and stuff flies a little bit more in the playoffs. The referees are, we know what happens. They throw away the whistles. With Zadorov, yeah, he's not a perfect player. I think if he was a perfect player, we'd be talking about a higher price. But one thing he is, and I think Yannick is 100% right on this, is he's a significant upgrade than anything Vancouver has right now as an option there, whether it's Friedman or Juleson, right? Friedman's got a career high in games in a season of 26. Mm-hmm. He's not that far off right now. No. No, he's creeping towards that. Noah Juleson, prior to the season, was not an everyday NHLer, but since you know being scratched early on in the season, then being brought back to the lineup, he's been pretty close to that in the last couple of weeks. That's not an ideal situation. With Zadorov, you've got a player that can play 18 to 19 minutes in a role that ideally you probably want him as your 
I would say your fifth defenseman. Who he plays next to is a different situation where, to me, he's kind of like at the same level as Susie, where you're saying, you're going to play about 18 minutes. Yeah. So whoever's playing better, we're going to move you over to the right. Whoever fits better on the right, maybe it's next to Ian Cole. You're going to be there because we got more lefties than we got righties. And I'm okay with that. You know, I think in the short term, you sort that out and then reach long term, extension wise, Ian Cole is a free agent after this year. Yeah. If Zadorov plays well, there's an opportunity to occupy that role if Ian Cole leaves. Uh, a lot of options for the Vancouver Canucks. And uh, we'll, we'll be getting into a lot more of this. I know there's uh, quite a few ca- questions regarding uh, the trade for Nikita Zadorov and some of the ramifications down the line of it already in the mailbag 650 650 Dunbar lumber text message inbox if you have more questions for the mailbag Canucks wise hockey wise life wise let us know we'll try to get to as many questions as we can next mailbag Friday on Canucks Central